Okay. There's a passage in the parasha, you know, that um, the topic of machalot asurot, right? Uh, the topic of forbidden food is told, is taught to us twice in the Torah. One in Vayikra, Perikud Aleph, and the other here in the parasha of Re'eh. Uh, there are lists of things, animals that we can eat and animals that we cannot eat. Uh, everybody knows that. But the list in the parsha of Re'eh starts with this pasuk. And the pasuk is in Perikudal, the pasuk given that's on the sheet. Lo tochal kol to'eva. Lo tochal kol to'eva. It, it, that's like a, it's a little difficult because the standard translation into English of the word to'eva, which appears also in the King James version, the King James uh, translation to English is, is very good. Uh, you know that because everybody copies it even the ones who try to make believe that they're writing a new translation also copy it. So the word to'eva, the word to'eva is translated, I'm looking at a translation that would not like to be called King G, uh, the King James translation, that's Art Scroll. <laughs> I'm looking at Art Scroll. So Art Scroll wants you to think that the translation, that their, their translation came down from heaven. And, uh, but you know, heaven is different locations. It says you shall not eat any abomination. So now when put to, when it was put to me, like what's an abomination? So I had a little difficulty with that. I mean, why is it that the animals that were not to eat are somehow put onto this category of abomination. Now it may be that Rashi also had this problem, right? If you look at Rashi, the Rashi says, "Kol sheti afti lecha lotuchal kol toeva," means this is like a very subtle point here. It, it means it's not an objective abomination. Like, like if you took a, a ham sandwich to like a regular goy that you might meet someplace, and uh, you ask them, How, what do you think of this? He might say, great. He wouldn't say that it's an abomination. So Rashi says, Rashi says, kol sheti avti that an abomination is subjective. And what is a sub, uh, an abomination? What is a to'eva? Something which you're not allowed to eat. That's called a to'eva. Something you're not allowed to eat. I, I, what makes it a to'eva? The fact that the Torah says it's a to'eva. It's not that it, it has some intrinsic to'eva gene in it. It's uh, the word to'eva is not a word that describes some attitude or some negative, uh, intrinsic negative, but the word to'eva, the word to'eva describes, or is another way of saying that the Torah said it's also. 
The Torah said it's also. Like, you know, the bridge between the idea of Toeva and the Torah said it's also is, of course, in that famous story. I, I don't know. I think it's a famous story. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky was in, uh, was in Yerushalayim one time. You know, Rabbi, you may have heard the name. So he was staying with his son. Well, I happen to know, so I heard the story from his son. His son, uh, so, so he was sitting there and he was eating. He was eating breakfast. So he, uh, so he kept asking his son if they took trumas and maestros from the tomatoes and from the lettuce and from the... So, so his son said to him, well, of course he took trumas and maestros. You know, his son's a frum guy. Not like uh, his father was... He just, he just kept asking about trumas and maestros. So he said to him, how come you don't ask me if the meat is kosher? You know, what do you ask you about tomatoes? So Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky said, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky said, you know, I grew up eating kosher meat and rejecting non-kosher meat. I'm sure, he said, that if there's anything wrong with the meat, I would find it abhorrent, like it would disgust me. But tomatoes? Where I grew up, he ate a tomato. Like it was never a question about a tomato. So I don't have that kind of sensitivity, he says. I don't know kind of said, therefore, I have to ask you all the time about the tomatoes. So an abomination, that's what I want to say, an abomination, that's Rashi's point, is a subjective thing. It's a category. You could call it X. It's an X. It's a toeva. Of course, there are other things that are toeva, and that might be meaningful, like idolatry. It's a toeva. Not everything is a toeva. Not everything that is forbidden is a toeva. But many things that are forbidden are a toeva. And so Rashi, Rashi says that toeva is subjective. If the Torah tells you it's osur, it becomes a toeva. It becomes a toeva to the one for whom it's osur. It doesn't become a toeva for the other person for whom it's not, not osur. But Rashi doesn't stop here. Rashi goes on and creates a bit of a mystery. Rashi says this, <coughs> Kigon, you know the word the Kigon? That's what it says in this Rashi. It doesn't say it in the Rashi on your sheet. But in the Rashi I'm looking at, which is also the Otsko Rashi, which is, which is an excellent uh, work, by the way, even though I don't say that about all the things that Otsko did, but the Chumash and Rashi is excellent as is the Shas, the Schattenstein Shas is also excellent. Uh, I mean, if you don't want to learn, you just want to carry it with you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a perfect size. So, uh, this is the way it says, Kigon. It says, it's a Rashi is going to give you an example of something that is a To'eva. Now, Rashi wants to bring an example of something that's not listed in the Chumash because the things that are listed in the Chumash uh, are listed. He says, what to'eva? Where's the chidush? The Pesach says, lo to'chal kol to'eva. Then the Pesach says, don't eat of this and don't eat of that and don't eat the other. These things you can eat and those things you can't eat. So why does Zerah have to have a separate Pesach that says, lo to'chal kol to'eva? If anyway, to'eva is only subjective. It's not, there's no chidush here. There's no chidush. Rashi is looking for the chidush. Like, what does the Pesach come to teach us? So listen to what Rashi says. She'im 
Tsaram Ozen Bechor. Right? So Bechor, a firstborn, a firstborn animal, has to be sacrificed. That's a Bechor. Kedei Leshachto B'medisa. Listen again. If Tsaram Ozen Bechor, Let's say a person has this animal that he has to give as a sacrifice to the Beit HaMikdash. So there's a certain loss involved. I mean, he's going to give it to the Beit HaMikdash. He's suddenly getting, making a party. The Kohanim are going to be there. You know, everybody's going to take eating his Bechor. Whereas if the Bechor was unsacrificable for some reason, like it had a mum, it had a physical blemish which rendered it unacceptable as a, as a sacrifice, you would be making money on the deal. You wouldn't have to sacrifice it, but you'd be able to eat it at home. Because, so he says, what happens if a person intentionally slits the ear of a firstborn, a firstborn animal? Or else he did something which rendered the animal, uh, he didn't do something major like, like break its leg or something, but he did something very minor. But halachically, that renders the, the, the animal, that rendered the animal unacceptable as a korban, right? Kedelish shachto medina. The medina is outside of the Beit HaMikdash. Right? You know that the word medina in ancient times, meant a city. I didn't mean like what we say today, a larger political subdivision of Medina. But Medina is a city. In fact, in Saudi Arabia, it's a city called City. Right? Medina. Medina, one of the, one of the holy spots of the, of the Muslims. So he says, if you did it, today the shokto de Medina, Medina, in this case, means outside of the Beit HaMikdash. Right? That means any place, but outside of the, of the Beit HaMikdash. And then eat it. And then you'd be able to eat it outside. You know, shaft it outside the Beit HaMikdash, and then you could eat it. This is all Rashi. Right? Kedei v'shokhto v'medina. Harei davar shata avdi lecha. Kolmum lo yebo. So he said, this means that uh, I have made this an abomination for you. All right? Because there's a passage that says, Kol mum lo yebo. Uval il mod kan, the Rashi says, and this comes to teach us. This comes to teach us, Shelo yishchot v'yochal. Al Oto Hamum. That even though the firstborn, the Bechor, cannot be sacrificed because it has a blemish in it, nevertheless, you can't eat it any, either. You can't eat it. Because the Bechor was designated for the Mizbeach. And since the Bechor was designated for the Mizbeach, even though there's a technical reason that I can't bring it to the Mizbeach, I can't eat it either. It never goes back to... And what does is, what is, uh, the Rashi say that this is? That this means that you can't um, eat, you can't make the... Uh, you can't slaughter it 
v'yochal and eat it because of that, uh, because of that blemish. And what does that mean? Davar and that's what Rashi says. I made this bechor a to'eva for you. A to'eva. It's not an abomination. I mean, it doesn't. I, the word abomination doesn't fit in to what what we're saying. So Rashi says that to'eva is a category that is produced by the halacha. It's a, it's not something that's natural, but it's something that's produced by the halacha. And that's kind of a remarkable thing. That's kind of a remarkable thing that Rashi says, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of the Toeva. If you have a Bechor, and the Bechor is supposed to be sacrificed, that's the only way that you get to eat it, is by sacrificing the Beit HaMikdash. And you do a trick. And you, you, you put a blemish in the ear of this Behemah, which renders it unfit for a sacrifice. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, it's a toeva if the animal's a toeva, meaning I can't eat it in the regular in the regular way. So that toeva, the, the definition of toeva has been expanded because if you look again at the, you don't have the pasuk, but the pasuk says zota beimasha tochlu. These are the animals that you can eat. Ashor aseh ksavivaseh ksavivaseh isim. And then it goes on, well, there's a whole list of animals that you can eat, and then there's a general rule about split hooves and, uh, and uh, regurgitation, like there are certain kinds of animals. But there's some things you shouldn't eat, even though they, they do regurgitate, or they have split hooves, but they haven't got both, like a camel. You shouldn't eat, shouldn't eat a camel. So, of course, uh, uh, that's the list. What does Rashi say? What does Uposik Rashi explain? That besides the list, means something else. And that is if the halacha prohibits you from eating an animal that is a kosher animal, that's an edible animal, that under other circumstances you would be able to eat, the halacha produces a situation that's called to'eva. And the situation called to'eva means it, you can't change it. It is what it is, right? You can't change it. As far as that's concerned, I mean, I think it's an interesting question that I saw here in the, in the Sfas Emes, which I didn't put in, not the Sfas Emes that we always look at. This is the Sfas Emes on Gemara. You know, the Sfas Emes was a great uh, scholar. And apparently, you know, like he learned, he used to learn a lot of Torah, can you imagine that? <laughs> he used to learn a lot of Torah, and he wrote up all the things that he learned. And, and you know, and people, other scholars, you know, who were learning in yeshivas, refer to the Svasabbas al-Hashas when they can find it. Like, it's not always so easy to know what he talks about Okay, he's not, uh, he's not uh, under anybody's control. He can talk about whatever he wants. So anyway, he asked the following question. There's a Sfat Samus. I'll tell you the reference. It's not on the sheet. But, there's a, but, it's, but it's the summer now, right? Summer? So I guess we'll say things we don't usually say. <laughs> summer. Sfat Samus and Sochim. 
מצוות אמצעים במסכת פסוחים, דף כ"ח, עובד א'. היא תוצאה בגלל חומץ שעבר עליו את הפסח, right now. Everybody knows about Chomich as a Pesach. You figure Chomich as a Pesach. After Pesach, it's Chomich, which is okay. Right? But the Chachamim thought that that would be a bad situation. Everybody would leave their Chomich around. And so you know that they answered Chomich as a Pesach. You're not allowed to eat the Chomets She'ova Olava Sapesach. So the Tzvah Semes says, the Tzvah Semes says, why isn't Chomets She'ova Olava Sapesach? He says, Alderich Pilpul, Omarti. That's how he introduces this question. Alderich Pilpul, which I guess, you know, Pilpul is a word that I would not be able to define, but a lot of people see it as a negative. Like, Pilpul is a bad thing. I mean, they don't necessarily have a definition, but they think, here he says, I don't think he means that it's a bad thing. It just means that it's not related to the topic at hand. And he says, he says, He says, So what is this about? Should I say it again? Say it slowly? <laughs> say it slowly. Listen to this. This is Svantabet. This is I don't understand. Because what do we say? That was around during Pesach. You didn't sell it. Right? It was just, you had it in your possession. You didn't pay any attention to it, but it was in your possession. So now it's called Chamech Avar Levit Pesach. What's it, what is the status Me'ikar Adin Midoraita? Right? Mutter. Right? You all agree? We say it's Osir, but that's only Midrabona. So he says, he says, I don't understand why it's Mutter Midrabona. This is why it's Mutamidoraisa. He says, after all, after all, Mitam Lotochal Kol Toeva. What's Lotochal Kol Toeva? That's our Pasuk. What does our Pasuk say? What does our Pasuk say? When something becomes designated by the Halacha, for, uh, for a certain purpose or a certain status, you can't change its status by, by doing something. Right? The status doesn't change. So the Bechor, that's Rashi, the Bechor remains a Bechor. You're not going to be able to sacrifice it, but you're not going to be able to eat it either. So he says, how come Chomich over the Pesach is not like that? That if you had Chomich on Pesach, and on Chomich, it was a, and on Pesach, it was a Toeva, Toiva meaning halachically prohibited. So how come after Pesach you can eat it? How come after Pesach you can eat it? So the Sars Heaven says, well, it must be that there's a difference <coughs> between 
doing something to the animal and just having it happen by itself. I mean, since all chametz is intrinsically on Pesach, all chametz on, on Pesach is intrinsically mutter. Right? It was, you can't eat it on Pesach. But it doesn't mean, they are, it's not that it becomes an abomination. It's that the con- the, the con- there's a, a lack of, of connectivity between Pesach and Chometz. But once Pesach passes, then that's fine. But a Bechor has a status. And the status of the Bechor is that, that, uh, uh, that it has to be sacrificed and it can't be eaten in any other way. So I think we've expanded our understanding of the word To'eva. That to'eva doesn't mean an abomination. But to'eva means a halachic status. And that's what Rashi says. And maybe that's what the Svata meant and adds. The Rashi is talking about a Bechor that you made a blemish. A person just made a blemish in the ear of the Bechor in order to make the Bechor uh, 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 forbidden as it, uh, to use as a korban. And, uh, and uh, the Svatimet uses the example of Chomets and Pesach in order to tell us that it's about a status. About, it's not an abomination. It's not abomination. An abomination. Lo tochal kol means don't eat what the Torah tells you not to eat. And even if the status of the not to eat is changeable, it doesn't matter. It remains a toiva, and that's how Rashi, that's how Rashi understands it. This idea, this idea is clearly stated in the Rambam. If you look at the, the third, the second source on the page, Rambam Hilchot Sulei Mukdashim Perikutzet Alocha Gimel. The Rambam says, Kol Korban Sheneemashu Pasul. Every Korban which is Pasul, Pasul in this case means I can no longer sacrifice it. There are rules, even though in theory I have to sacrifice the Bechor. But practically speaking, I might not be able to because the Bechor might have a blemish. And if the Bechor has a blemish and is not perfect, it can't be sacrificed. Any Korban, like I want to give a Korban, I bring it to the Beit HaMikdash, and I want to, I want to uh, fulfill this obligation, and suddenly this Korban becomes Patsu. For some reason, so the Rambam says, Bein Shinefsal Machshava means, I'm thinking the wrong thought. Everybody knows that in Korban that there is a special halakha, din, called pigul. And pigul means that you think it's Korban B when actually it was designated to be Korban A. And uh, in the, the laws of Korbanot, that makes the Korban unfit, unacceptable, right? That's what the Rambam says. Bein bimaaseh. That's Maaseh. What does Bain bin Maaseh? Maaseh is the person who did, did that to the ear of the, of the Bechor. That's a Maaseh. Bain Shirabo Dovosheh Pisalo. Right? Maybe where they were in a courtyard, the animals, all the animals that were about to be sacrificed, and they had a fight. The animals. And somebody, some animal broke its leg. So that's a maaseh, right? The beishi irab, sorry, beishi irabo davar shepisalo. Irabo means it happened. It 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 
it was unexpected. An unexpected event. So the Rabbam says, Kol ha'ochel mimenu kezayit b'mezid lokeh. Anybody who then eats from this animal is Chayim Malkus. Malkus means that he was over a lav. There's a lav in the Torah that he transgressed. What lav in the Torah that he transgressed? The Ramam says, Lo tochal kol So it means that what Rashi said and what the Ramam said are exactly the same thing, except that Rashi related to a particular event, right? Particular halacha. Whereas the Rambam talks about korbanot in general. And he says, it happened, or you did it, or if you ate from this animal, you decided that this, since I can't give it as a sacrifice, I'll, I'll, I'll eat it, I'll check it and eat it. Forbidden. Because that's called lo tochal kol to'eva. What is to'eva? Designated. It's halachically designated. If you go back to the Rashi, Rashi brings one more example. Right? Bashau, basar v'chalav, Now, harei davar shetiafti l'cha. He's here, kan al achilato. What's bashau, basar v'chalav? What's Bashar with Basar Bechalab? Basar Bechalab is an interesting, interesting thing conceptually. Even though practically, you know, it's like uh, high up on the list. I mean, people who are only moderately kosher would probably not eat something where you could see meat and milk cooking around together. Right? There are endless numbers of stories where a little bit of milk fell into the cholent and went to the rabbi and the rabbi said, yeah, it's all right, you could eat it. And the woman who brought the pot said, no, Rabbi, you eat it. <laughs> I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat this. So, so those are all those, uh, yeah, the rabbi thought he was doing her a favor by telling her what the halacha was, but really he was kind of implying that she was not worthy. Right? She, only, she didn't go to the rabbi to find out what the halacha said. She went to the rabbi to, for vindication of her own position, which is something something that rabbis don't learn about, but it's a good idea. It's a good idea to learn the psychology of asking a shiloh. So, what's bashel basar b'chalav? It's something different. Because basar is kosher. And chalav is kosher. What is not, what is a to'eva, is the combination of them. And since the combination of them cannot be, they can't be taken apart. Like if you have, if, if somebody cooked meat and milk together, then uh, that's it. It's the end of the story. There's no way to get the milk out of the meat or the meat out of the, the milk. I mean, it is possible that the ratio is such that it's halachically acceptable, but it's not possible to take that's also and make it mutter. So what did Rashi say? What does Rashi say? Bashal basab chalav In other words, it's a halachic notion. If you cook basar and chalav together, 
there's nothing, uh, nothing wrong with, with the basar. You know, the basar is good food. It's good edible food. All of is good edible food, and everybody knows that. That there's this question about chal. You know, mutter or aser to eat chal. Chal is an udder. A cow's udder. You understand the problem. The cow's udder is probably fleshic. Whereas the content of the cow's udder is not fleshic. Okay, so, you know, so there's a sibin in Shulchan Aruch about, about chal. So there we have it. Or there we have something. So we understand Rashi's position. Rashi's position is that it's not an abomination. And that's a philosophical position. Laniyut dati. It's a philosophical position because, because the, uh, anything else, like let's say the Rambam, here I have the Rambam, the Boronavuchim. You see the Rambam, the Boronavuchim, the second, beginning of the second paragraph. Boronavuchim, Chalik Gimel, Memchet. Omari, first you call him Achalim. Shasra leno Torah, heim mazon migune. You know this idea? You should. I mean, everybody says it. Mazon migune is unworthy food. When the when the Torah tells you that you can't eat pigs' meat, you can you can understand that pigs' meat is not healthy. Or there's something wrong with it, right? And over the years, let's say the last uh, thousand years, people have tried at different times at different places to prove that contention, that the food that the Torah doesn't want you to eat is not good food. Of course, this is like, uh, uh, there are uh, eight billion people in the world. How many people are in the world? Seven billion? Seven billion people. Six billion, and 900 million, 96 million eat pig's meat. And they seem to be increasing all the time. And the Jews, they don't eat pig's meat and we seem to be decreasing all the time. I mean, it's not because of what we eat or whatever, but it's a hard argument to make. It's a hard argument to make. I mean, it is... I remember hearing from my parents, you know, who come from the Ukraine, where pigs are not unknown. Uh, you know, it's like a, it's sort of filthy, like the whole enterprise was a little filthy, but I think today it's not that way. I mean, today they've cleaned up the, the thing, so it's not a good argument. Here is the Rambam. Mazon Niguneh. Eim be mashinesar aleinu mashinevin lidamot dimyon shav sheimbo nezek milvad echazir achelev. That, you know, uh, these are bad things, chazir, pig's meat, chalev, fat. Ve'in devakach, ki echazir lach yoter mimashir ha'uyi rapsolet shalom merubet. So anyway, the Rambam goes on to explain to us why eating a chazir is not such a good idea. Now, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that anybody would try this approach today. Like, you know, if you were trying to to have like a Baal Chuba kind of session and prove to them that the Torah is practic- pragmatically better than any other system, I'm not sure that you, this would be a good argument to make, but the Rambam makes it. The Rambam makes it 
and the Rambam in this case, the way we've understood it, is, is uh, uh, really opposed to Rashi. Because Rashi is the one that said that Toeva is the Torah's demand. And the Rambam is the one who said, well, it's like the Torah looking at the world and saying, you know, good health is better than bad health, and exercise is better than, better than standing still, etc., etc., and people say, that's what the Torah said. Now, there is this philosophical question, that's what I wanted to get to. There is this philosophical question, if you think about it that, uh, this way. After all, after all, it is true that God created the world. And it is true also that in the world that God created, there are cows and there are pigs. Now, why would God create things that the Torah rejects? I mean, what's the, what's the point uh, of, of all of that creation? What's the point of it? Uh, in order to answer that question, in order to answer that question, I mean, I'll do it with uh, teaching another pasuk. Teaching another pasuk, and that pasuk is on the second page. <coughs> on the second page, it says, "In Vayikra Perikudet." You see that? Okay, I have here this parak yud aleph. I equal parak yud aleph aleph. The bar shevel moshevel aron lemar lehem dabul ben Israel lemar zot achayah shetochlu mikola beimasher al haaretz. So it was in the parsha of Shmini. In the parsha of Shmini, where there's a list of animals that you're allowed to eat, as you're not allowed to eat, they're not called toeva. They're called toeva. That's the only thing I wanted you to remember. Now there's another pasuk in Vayikra which I think is critical for our subject. And that's this pasuk. Vayikra Perikud Bet, Pasuk Bet, or Aleph and Bet, by the first pasuk of Adre Hashem Moshe Lemor, right? Daber El Bnei Yisrael Lemor. Daber El Bnei Yisrael Lemor. Ishaki Tazriya Biyalda Zachar. Which means a woman has a baby. And it's a male, a male baby. The word Tazria, uh, like, you know, the word Zera uh, uh, means seed. Usually in Hebrew, the Zera is connected to the male, and the Beitsa is connected to the female, right? That's how it works. But here in the Pasuk it says, Ishaki Tazria. That if a woman, it's like the woman does it. The woman, so this has been interpreted in, in various times uh, in different ways. But Rashi, Rashi quotes a remarkable, I mean, you can look at Rashi Kitazria, right? So Rashi says that even if if uh, the, the, the baby is born prematurely and it's not really formed, it doesn't have a form, um, that all of these halachot apply. So Ishaki Tazria, according to Rashi, refers to a birth, a premature birth, where Rachmana Litzlan, the baby is not at all developed. That's Ishaki Tazria. 
But in order to introduce this, his commentary to this pasuk, Rashi says this, Ishaki Tazriya, my Rabbi Simlai. He quotes a Medrash in the name of Rabbi Simlai. And Rabbi Simlai is talking about the following. The Parshiyot and Vayikra that we're interested are Shmini, Tazriya, Mitzora. Right, Shmini, Tazriya, Mitzora. Shmini, Shmini is the parsha that has the kosher and non-kosher animals listed in it. Tazria is the parsha that begins with Tumat Leida. A woman who gives birth is Tveya for such such about the time that she has to go to the, go to the mikveh, blah, 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 right? Those halachot. Mitzorah. Zotia Tarata Mitzorah is the punishment, the way we understand it, is the punishment for Lashon Hara. So Shmini, Shmini is kosher, non-kosher animals. Tazria is a woman who, uh, the, the, the Tum'ah that's associated with a woman who, who gives birth. Mitzorah is the affliction that you get, that you suffer when you um, when you speak Lashon Hara, and it usually is translated like le- by, with the word leprosy, right? Lozai. I don't know what leprosy is. Uh, there used to be a hospital here, right? Uh, a leprous hospital. No, it went someplace. It's gone. Any event, what? Oh, there are no patients. Is that good or bad? The what? Uh, but is it good that there are no patients? You mean that they're all cured, or that no one gets leprosy, or that they just are not interested in them? <laughs> no more lashonara. That's good. No, the, the the punishment doesn't work. The, the Gemara says that these punishments don't work when it's all pervasive. There's no point in punishing somebody for lashonara if everybody talks lashonara. It's only you know most of the people don't talk lashonara, so you know that that in heaven there's interest in that. Everybody talks Lashonara, why would, you know, it's like hopeless. Situation is hopeless. So Vayikra Perikyu Bet Pasuk Bet says this, Ishaki Tizriya Vyodah Zachar Betama Shivat Yamim Kameini Dat Vota Kitma. That's what the Pasuk says. A woman has a baby. Rabbi Simlai says this, Kishem Shi Yitzirato Shel Adam Acha Kol Beheimah Chayat Vaov so, Rabbi Simlai doesn't get it. He says, if the Torah wanted to tell us about a woman, Dine woman, and then wanted to tell us Dine man, man, woman, right, Lashon Hara, and wanted to tell us Dine kosher and trace. So what should the order have been? The order should have been men, women, animals. Because who is it that is uh, a nizhar from eating the animals? These animals are not eating those animals. Men slash women, right? They're the ones. So, so first you talk about men and women. And then you talk about animals. How come the terror starts off by talking about animals? Like that's the most important topic. And then it talks about the man or the woman and the man who are the ones who are supposed to eat these animals, not eat those animals. That's Rabbi Simlai's question. Now Rabbi Simlai has an answer, believe it or not, to this question. His answer is, 
His answer is, Kishem she yitziyato shel adam acha kol be'ema chaya ve'opel haseb reishit, kach torato nitparshach reitorat be'ema chaya ve'opel. He says, if you look at, if you look at the creation story, that's also like a mystery. If the main thing in creation is the creation of man slash woman, so, so the Torah should have said, and God created man slash woman. And then man needed something he had to eat, so he planted a tree. And then uh, 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 there had to be, uh, uh, you know, they didn't eat meat, or they did eat meat. There was a locus Rashi, and tells us about whether they ate meat in Gan Eden, right? But most, even Tosus, who says that they were vegetarians, agrees that they could have eaten carrion. They just couldn't kill animals. I don't know if anybody today would accept that uh, kind of limitation. You could eat carrion in God Aden, right? You know, animals killed by other animals. So, uh, according to us, either they did or they didn't. But there's no doubt that the animals served man. I mean, that's what they do. And so the trees and the fruit, and so the, the story could have been told differently that uh, man was created, the purpose of creation was man, and then there were adjunct creations, the sun and the moon and the water, and all that's all for, it's all for man. It's not for, it's not for creating. It's not like God wanted to create the sun. It doesn't seem that way to us. God wanted to create man and woman. God wanted to create a responsive audience. That's what I always think. So the, the, those who could, uh, uh, those who could daven. That's what God wanted to create. God to create the, the ones who could daven. Now, the, 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 you know, there are a lot of clever animals that can, you know, count to seven or something, but they can't daven. They can't daven. They don't understand that the world, that the world depends on what they do. They just do what they do. They they act um, instinctively. That's how animals. That's how animals do it. They don't have any questions about what to do, where to move, or where to live, or you know how, what job to take. They don't have any of those kinds of questions. They're all. So the Lord comes to Simulai, and he says, "You have to understand that there's a reason that the Torah teaches us the creation story." ending with men. And if you know that reason, you'll understand why the parashiyot in the Torah are arranged, Shmini, Tazriya, Mitzvah. So on that Rashi, before we try to explain it, there is the Sifte Chachamim. Sifte Chachamim is a commentary on Rashi. You see, Aleph, the beginning, Sifte Chachamim is the bottom of the page. Vim Tomar, Vatam Gufa, Mai Tama, Yitziratam, Shobaymach, Hayakot, Mitziratam, Shobaymach, so the Sifti Chachamim says, what do you mean? I mean, that's not an answer. That's just a further question. The, uh, the, the, the Rashi says, Rab Simlai asked the question, how come Tazria comes after Shemini? How come first we learn about animals that you can eat, you can't eat? Then we learn about something how long it has to do with man slash woman. As he said, oh, it's just like creation. So the Sifti Chachamim says, what do you mean just like creation? Creation is also not understood. So how come it works that way in creation? It says, So the Gemara, they ask this question. Why was man 
slash woman. I have to keep saying that all the time. I don't say I'm a, I'm an equal time opportunity employer, uh, but I don't have to say it every time. So uh, uh, so the Gemara asked the question: How come man was created erev Shabbat? In order that you shouldn't think that man and God did this together, this creation of the world, even though we know that there are other sources. But this is what the Sifte Chachamim says, the Baruch, another Gemara. Sheim Tazuach Da'atel Allah, Omrim Lo Yetush Kadem If a person if a person like uh, decides he's a great philosopher and he can like theorize that there's no God or there's no creation, so what do we say to him? Since we are not philosophers, we say, look, you have to remember that uh, that this little mosquito was created before you were created. So what makes you think it's so important? The a third, kadeshi kadeis limitzvamiyad. A third opinion is they created Er Shabbat. The first thing that should happen to man is Shabbat. He says, And he says that they should, he should have the obligation of eating a suuda. Not just eating because he's hungry. Not just because he would not be distinguished from the animals. Animals also eat between because they were hungry. But since it's Arab Shabbat, all of a sudden, man has to eat a meal, right? The suudot that you have to eat on Shabbat. Vim tomar, vim itvashat Torah, kiseder habriyah, hayalo lakdim seder mitzorah, lepashat ki tazriyah. Dab mitzorah medaber beish, vitazriyah medaber beisha, badab nivrak kodem chavai. All this business of Absimlai really meant anything. Like that is the order of the Briah. So he says, in the Briah, man was created before woman. I mean, that seems to be the composite position, right? Without getting into the question of Perak Aleph and Perak Beth and, and Adam 1 and Adam 2. I mean, all of that. Well, it's not important to us right now. What is important is that man was created and woman, and woman was created. So how come in the Parshiyot that we're talking about first there's Azriel, which is a woman, and then there's Mitzorah, which is probably a man. She says, now some people give it a roots, and they say it's much more likely that a woman will have a child than a man will become Mitzorah, will become a leper. I mean, just like statistically, it's more, more likely. The Gemara says that a man who has relations with his wife when she's in Nida, he also becomes a, uh, he also can become a Mitzorah. So the woman is somehow compared to it's like karka olam, which means that that you know any man can uh, can um, um, make a woman pregnant. Right? There's no 
there's no um, limit, you know, in theory, uh, in terms of a woman, uh, a woman's pregnancy. So what does this Fatimet say? This Fatimet says that uh, that uh, uh, Rabbi Simlai is wrong. Again, what did Rabbi Simlai say? He said, "How come Kazria comes after Shmini?" That's his question. What's his answer? Oh, that's the way the world was created. First the animals were created, and then man was created. Right? What does the Siftei Chachamim say? There are a lot of other things that you could say about why Shmini comes before Tazria, which comes before, and quite the contrary. It's important that uh, uh, he asks all of these questions. I would like to I would like to have the time that's left try to answer all of these questions that we have thought about today. But remember, Rashi says that Toeva means a halachic distinction. Right? Not a universal distinction, but a halachic distinction. Which sounds to me like it means that it may be secondary. You know that there is this idea that when Adam Arishon was created, he was not given the Torah. The Ha is big. The He is big, which Chazal say means on that day, which is that day? Rav Sivan, the sixth day of Sivan, the Torah would be given. The Torah would be given. Now, what is the Torah? Like, if I had to like summarize it, since we are not, this is not a Balshuba meeting, I can say something that might be a little more meaningful. The Torah is a series of distinctions that God knows about. That's what the Torah is. And everybody knows, Dr. Schroeder is here, he will either vilify me or validate me, that the essence of science, like how does science start? It starts by categorizing things. You have to distinguish. That's what science is. Science is the basic elements. Science is the basic mathematical uh, uh, pronouncements that from which you understand more about how the world works but in order to get the you get your basic information you have to be able to distinguish this kind of chemical makeup from that kind of chemical makeup this physical action from that physical action. that's what you have to do that's what science is so before you 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 do something you have to know what there is that you can know and so what the Torah tells us is, right, it's like almost Musa. The Torah says, there are things that you don't know, but they are true. And substitutes for the word things, distinctions. There are distinctions that you don't know about. You don't feel like there are certain things you do know about. Like, uh, you know that you can't go to some place that's very hot. You can't go to some place very cold. You have, like, your experience is that there are certain things that are 
not acceptable. Like the human being cannot live in a place that's too hot or a place that's too cold, so you stay away from those kinds of places. Allah comes to Torah and says, there are further distinctions. They are not visible. They're not visible to you, but they exist. And those distinctions are given the words in the Torah, Tumah, Tahara, and To'eva. Those are the words that the, that, the, uh, that the Torah gives them. And when it comes to To'eva, what Rashi argued was, we have to try to understand if there are limits to the, world, to the word To'eva. In other words, do you mean that it's always a To'eva? That it's sometimes a To'eva. So we say that if you make a, a blemish in the ear of the animal, you produce a To'eva that's always a To'eva. That's what Halacha says. Halacha represents the mind of God in this sense. However, when it comes to Chomets, Chomets of Arlava Pesach, the Torah says, no, it goes back to regular. It goes back to being regular Chomets, and the Svatamet says, well, maybe that's because the blemish is something real, whereas Pesach, Matzah, is just an accidental thing. It has to do with time. Now, what was the, uh, originally, if I hear if I evoke Yom means that God did not give the Torah to, 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 to us until, or to people, to other Marisha, until Mamar HaSinai. So that means that Adam Arishon in his original kind of incarnation in, in, uh, um, in Gan Eden, Adam Arishon was able to discern these distinctions without having the Torah. It was only, it was only when he was kicked out of Gan Eden, Adam Arishon, that he suddenly discovered that he was not able to deal with these distinctions before he was kicked out of Gan Eden. I mean, the fact that he was naked didn't bother him. It didn't, it didn't occur to him that, that he could do anything wrong because he knew what it was that you're supposed to do. Suddenly, outside of Gan Eden, he didn't understand any longer. He had busha. He, he, he was unable. He was unable to clearly cope with the new situation that he was that he was in, so that the Torah, the Torah is something that brings us back to the situation of Adam Arishon in Gan Eden, which means that just like Adam Arishon knew these distinctions, he knew what there was to do. So too, we who follow the Torah, we also know what to do. These animals we can eat. These animals we can't eat. These kinds of people, we do come into contact with these kinds. We don't come into contact with This is a kind of knowledge. It's scientific. It's just not any, it's not scientific in the sense that we can't reach it. We can't discern it. But that doesn't mean it's not there. The Torah says it's there. The Torah says it's there. So what did Rav Simlai say? What did Rav Simlai say? The question was, remember, the question was, how come Shmini comes before Tazria. How come Shmini, animals, comes before Tazria, a woman who's a Tome, who's Tome, and Mitzorah, a man who is affected by leprosy, uh, who's affected by leprosy uh, because he spoke Lashon Hara. 
And his answer is, just like Briat Ha'ola. Just like Briat Ola. First the Torah tells about the animals, then the Torah tells us about man. So uh, we can reinterpret it in this way, perhaps. Just like in the Garden of Eden, where Adam Harishon knew how to deal with the world into which he was placed. A world that had animals in it, a world that had trees in it, a world that had fruit in it, a world that had grasses in it. He knew what he was supposed to connect to and what he was supposed to stay away from. I mean, we'll get there. I mean, it's not the time to talk about the fact that he didn't keep the one mitzvah that he, that he received from Akkadosh Boko, but, but he knew, he knew that his relationship to Bria was based in part on this, on this understanding that he had because of his closeness to Akkadosh Boko. He saw things that we do not see so easily. So, I mean, Simlai says, you have to understand that in the Torah, this tomb of the Torah, there are to- things that are to'eva. And that means, that means that it's, it's an understanding of things. It's not a Boy Scout manual. It's not that we do mitzvot because we hope that somebody in the sky is counting them up and uh, when we get to Olam Abba, we'll get a good seat or the 50-yard line or we'll be in a good neighborhood with you know, other righteous people. It's not that. It's that the mit- I mean, it's also that. But it's that the mitzvot the mitzvot are a way of life. It's a way of living in the world that God created. It's not just people doing the same thing and therefore they feel good about each other. You know, you go into shul, so you recognize, everybody recognizes what's happening. That's like a, a nice feeling. But that's not the issue. The issue is, the issue is, does, don't do the mitzvot reflect about the reality of the world that God has made. And according to Rav Simlai, the answer to that question is yes. And therefore, when, when, uh, when the Torah decided to present the laws of Tumor, the Torah, and To'eva, the Torah presented in the same order as the creation of the world. In order to indicate that there's a hidden message here. It's not just about do this, don't do that, but it is about, but it is about the way to live, the way to be, the sensitivity that the Torah gives us, even though we might not be able to achieve that level of sensitivity left to our own design. And that's why, that's why the Torah wasn't given to other Harisha, because the Harisha had that sensitivity. And it took time until the people who could absorb this obligation were created. That was Am Yisrael. Okay. Have a good job. That's right on time. Amazing. Amazing.